Father, we just pray for this message right now, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you anoint it, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you're in this room right now, Father, and you're speaking, Father. And we thank you, Lord, that when you speak in a room, Father, we don't take it lightly, Father. When you speak, we don't just hear it through the ears and just let it float around, Father. We, when you speak, we take it to heart, Father. We take it like that precious piece of steak, Father, like that, that, that one piece of manna that would float from heaven while we're in the desert, Father. That, that, that water that came out when the Israelites were around and there was no water around, Father. That's how much we take your word serious, Father. And we thank you, Lord, we take your word serious tonight and going on further, Father, because your voice is getting louder, Father. And the more your voice gets louder and the less we hear, the more our hearing gets dimmed, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you're judging religion, Father. In 2020, in these tw the roaring 20s, whatever you want to call it, you're judging religion. You're not just speaking against religion with the sword of your mouth. You're going to do things, Father. You're going to expose people. You're going to expose words that haven't been from God but haven't been revealed that they're not from God yet. You're going to, all these prophecies that have been said and spoken that are not from you and the, whatever they are, the, the, I can't even name the prophecies because I don't even understand them. But you're exposing them, Father, because you want to show the sons of God to the world, Father. You want to show who your real people are. You want to show the people. I saw this thing on this player from the Packers or something. And he was talking about God. And they were asking him, and they were like, what's, what's your deal? And, he's, and he, w he went with this religious group and he said, you know what? I, I just couldn't connect with it. I tried. I couldn't connect with it. But I thank you, Father, that you're going to break the religion, Father, so that the, the lost can connect so that when they actually come to find Jesus, they'll actually find him and they won't find some religious person that they always heard of but never felt. I thank you, Lord, Jesus' mighty name. This message is called, What Are You Looking For? And many, of, many times in the body of Christ, what we don't realize, how we get distorted or how we get off is we're always looking for something else. We're always talking about Jesus. We're always mentioning Jesus' name. We're always talking about the scriptures. We're always, oh, blah, 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 this every day on Facebook, putting posts and putting scriptures and putting that and people nonstop making long words. But God is asking people, what are they looking for, really? Are they really looking for me? Are they really burning for me? Are they burning for something else? Because I guess I tell you what, the people that are religious, the people that get revealed in these last days as the ones who are not really from God, they're going to be the, revealed as the ones that weren't really looking for God. Because I tell you what, if you're really looking for God, if you're really looking at Him cons consistently, because it's not just that one day you looked, at, you looked for Him, it's constantly, but when you're really looking for God, you find Him. He says that I'm the pearl of great price, and if you seek me, you will find me. It says that if, I, if you ask for, if you ask for a, a fish, you won't get a stone, but many, why? Here's the question. Why are many people in religion, why are people nowadays getting stones? Why are their hearts becoming a stone? You know what that stone that you're getting? That's your, the heart of stone you're getting and that you still have and your, your love is growing cold. Why? Because you're not really looking for him. This message is called, What Are You Looking For? And you know what? God actually, so just so no one, just so everybody knows that God actually birthed this message out of myself. And he said, what are you looking for, Joe? What are you looking for? Are you looking at the crowd? Are you looking for more people? Are you looking for this thing to happen and that thing? Sometimes revival and sometimes wanting all these things, these things to happen, even though God may have them happen anyway, can be an idol, really. Actually, revival can be an idol. Healing can be an idol. We see people that heal people all the time with the gift, but no Holy Spirit. What's their idol? It's actually healing. But really, what's, 
If your idol is actually one of the gifts, then guess what? Your idol is you because you want to use the gifts to show yourself off. People don't use people that use the gifts without the spirit is they're in it for themselves. And just we're going to start in Leviticus 10. And this uh, message is going to go, it's going to be about the same, what the title said it was going to be about, but it's going to go many different ways and it's going to go deep. It's not just going to cut in one instant. I'm not just talking about people that are, are ministering and they're, they're talking about Jesus all the time, but they're really looking for fame. They're always, or they're looking for the crowds or whatever. It goes deeper than that because many times, even just in general life, we're following God and we're looking for something more in our brother. We're looking for something more in our sister that God is not doing. We're looking for something, for something more in ourself that we're, sometimes, see, we need to expect God, but we can't put expectations that are not of the Spirit, that are flesh. Sometimes we put our expectations to a point that are actually not realistic, that, that they're not realistic, but it's not what God's doing. We expect ourselves to be See, the, the Bible says, don't think of yourself too highly than you ought to be. So some, and there's some people that are called to be pastors or evangelists and they want to be apostles. They're expecting all this stuff. They're looking to be to another, to a, a bigger stature or they want this to happen. They're, they want to have a, a mega ministry, but they're not called to the mega ministry and they're looking to that. Or we have people that they want to have brothers and sisters around them that are constantly like patting them on the back, but he didn't, he's not calling that. And, but people are looking for that. But we have to, we're going to get to the central thing, what we need to be focused on. See, there's a way that we focus on God. We don't just focus on God and say, okay, I'm focused on, I'm just going to envision you, Jesus, that you're there and I'm focused on you. No, that's not focusing on God, but we're going to get to that. Leviticus 10, 1 through 3. And Nahab and Abihu, if that's how you say his name, the sons of Aaron took either of them his censer and put, so let me, before we go into this, before, I read the whole thing before this, just because I felt led. I didn't want to put this, get, bring the whole thing because then we'd be here for hours reading two chapters in Leviticus. And trust me, Leviticus is pretty long. And Moses and Aaron were constantly bringing sacrifices to the Lord, doing what they were supposed to be doing. Even the sons of Aaron were helping Aaron, bring the sacrifices. They'd bring the sacrifice, salt it, do it exactly how God said he wanted it to do. And fire would come down on the altar. They would, it, was, it, was, it was a constant thing. It was a constant way God wanted it to be done. It was a constant way God wanted to, to make it happen, to, to bring the fire on the altar. He wanted the altar a certain way. He didn't just want something on the altar. He wanted it his way. And then we get to this in the next chapter immediately, Le Leviticus 10. And Nahab... And Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there, and he, see, he commanded them not. That's what strange fire is, really, is when we try to offer ourselves to God or try to make ourselves a sacrifice to God, but we do it in our own way, really. And it actually ends up being a strange fire because we start actually burning for other things and we put God's label on it. And there, there, went, out from, there went out fire from God and devoured them. See, the, the, this time the fire came down, it didn't devour the altar and the, the, the sacrifice, it devoured them. And I put a post uh, earlier today 
about the fire and how... Did this thing go out? Okay, it's good. About the fire and how it doesn't just actually purify our inequities, it actually purifies the church from the goats. And the, so when we don't submit to the fire, ultimately the, the biggest price is the fire actually s- separates us. Actually, and I put on the Facebook and I put... The fire separates the men from the boys. And people that won't submit to the fire... See, in the Old Testament, he consumed them with fire literally. But now God is bringing the fire on people. And because, because they don't want to submit to it, they get actually consumed by it and burned by the fire. And then what happens? Because, the, because of the fire of God, people get offended. Because of the fire of God, people get angry. Because of the fire of God... That's how Leviathan gets in and all these things get in is because people don't want to submit to the fire of God. And the fire of God is a dangerous place if you don't submit to God in the fire. See, when, uh, what's their names? Uh, Shabin, I don't know, what is their names? Those three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were on the fire, they didn't just go on the fire. Jesus was in the fire with them. But if he wasn't with them and, he, and they, didn't, they weren't looking to him and constantly relying on they would have been burned because Jesus was their source. And that's what people are doing. They're, they're, in, they're going in the fire, but they're not holding the hand of Jesus. And they're, they're just venturing around, trying to get out. trying. To, but when you, but what, they would have looked like fools, those three guys. Now I got my hot cup, so now I can not advertise other companies. So they didn't... <laughs> So they didn't look like fools in the fire because they said God will deliver us from the fire. And then what would they would have looked like if they would have went in and they were just they started. Ah, the fire. What if they started freaking out? But what were they looking at? They were looking at Jesus. They weren't looking at the fire that they were in. And that's the thing. People are getting thrown in the fire and God is even doing out of judgment. And because God knows they're not relying on Jesus and then they get separated because they can't handle it anymore because they want worldly peace again. They want to live back in that peace that they had that wasn't real, but at least it didn't bother them and make them submit to holiness. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, this is not that the Lord spoke saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh unto me. I will be sanctified. So we can't, he's basically saying, in other words, people are not going to come to me without, being, without going through the fire. People are not going to come to me and just be saved. That's what's going in the church. People are thinking they're just going to be saved. They're going to go to heaven. But God is saying even in, the, in Leviticus between them, people will not come, come, come unto me unless I be sanctified in them. Unless I be made whole, unless all the inequities in them be separated. When you come on to God, he's, he's not going to let you live in your ungodliness and love it. Those people that are living it are saying, oh, God, oh, you know what? God is good. It's awesome. Oh, my God, let's go crazy. Let's go to the, let's go to the club. They don't, they don't even know God. That's why they, have, they can still have all that and claim God because they don't know Him. But when you actually really are, have come nigh unto God, when you sin or you're going into the world, you start going nuts because you're like, oh, because God is actually in your life and the fire of God will, will keep you from, keep from going on and on and on. And that's when condemnation comes in and condemnation is actually one of the biggest blessings because condemnation will keep us from continuing, continuing to do that because we feel bad and then we want to come back to Jesus because we can't stand it. 
The fire of God separates the men from the boys. Then Moses said unto Aaron, this is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh unto me. I'm not gonna, he's not going to have a harlot. He's not going to have people come unto him just to, he doesn't, see, it says that Jesus wants to save the whole world. Yeah, but doesn't mean he's going to because he wants to save them, but he wants to save them. He doesn't want to just write their names in the Lamb Book of Life. He wants to actually, when Jesus says save, he means deliver. When Jesus says saves, he means heal. When Jesus says saves, he means cast out demons. He's not coming to the nations to just make, put a bunch of people in a book and say, you know what, one day you'll be with me. He's coming to the nations so he can say, heaven come on earth now. But he will not dwell with a harlot church. He's a holy God. This is that the Lord spoke, come nigh. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And then God was showing me about this, how, and then what, what did they do? They came to the altar. They were, they were doing everything they were supposed to do. They were, and I'm going to do a whole, I feel like God, God's leading me too to do a whole other thing on strange fire, probably writing, I don't, know, I don't know. But people, this is what we do. We come to the altar and we want it a different way. So obviously, if, if God didn't command them to do what they did, they came to the altar with their own thing. They didn't, God didn't say, go to the altar and put this, this says it right here. And took either of him his censer and put fire therein. So they put their own fire on it. See, put, people are calling the fire inside of themselves the fire of God, but it's actually their own fire because they're burning for their own passion. They're burning for their own, the own thing that they want. They're burning for their own ministry, their own little dream. And put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had commanded them not. When we, strange fire is to be a sacrifice that God that didn't design you to be. We, we, we lay ourselves down. Oh God, do this. Oh God, do that. This is strange fire is when we come to God and we, we lay ourselves down. We give up everything. But really, we're all, all the talk is there. All the laying down is there. But it's really another thing that we're actually burning for we want God to help us we want God to to these guys had the, the thing on the altar and they were expecting God to back them on the altar and he's and he said no you know what I'm not just gonna not back you I'm gonna consume you and people are coming to the altar nowadays or been going to the altar for years trying to get God to back God to back them up with their little dream or their how they want to live life or how they want to do the will of God or call it their own will and he says, no, I'm not going to have it. And, that, and people are burning for their own passions and they're calling it the fire of God. That's strange fire. And people are making doctrines that actually hold strange fire because the doctrines that they made are motivated out of their own little hidden agenda that they've, that they, or their own little ministry dream that they had inside of them. See, when you have your own little thing or your own little hidden agenda, every doctrine that you preach or everything that you understand is filtered out through that. So when you have filthy lucre in your life or you, ha or you have desire for fame more than love for God, because don't get me wrong, we all have struggle with things and blah, blah, blah. But it's when those things are come in front of loving God and those things are not, are, are not destined to die and we let those things live. All, everything we learn goes through that. So, when I, so if I'm sitting there in that chair and I, I have the, and I have and I have the problem, not struggle, because struggling is you're trying to get, break it. But when I'm in it, Let's say I have a problem with the love of money and I'm sitting there in the back. Everything that I'm going to hear at this pulpit is going to flow through that. And all, all, everything I hear is going to revolve around that, the, is about the money and how I'm going to get the money, how my future is going to be, how is this going to help me get money? How am I going to lay my sacrifice down and do, and do all this stuff so I can get more money? 
This is strange fire. And, we're, we, and we burn. And you could, you could be sitting there burning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're hearing all the same messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not the same spirit because the others are burning for God and you're burning for money. But you're speaking the same way and thinking the same way. But it's a different motivation. This is the, something God... And I woke up at 2.44 last night and then... Because I was just praying about this message because God told me to do this message, but... I was still trying to understand what exactly he was having me do. And then he, that's when he was explaining and then scriptures came and all that. And then he told me this. He said, these are the two main, these are the two main things we need to be heavily focused on. See, this, is how, this, this right here is how we focus on God. We want to say, oh, I'm focused on God. Oh, I'm looking at God. I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm looking at God and everything I do or I'm putting God first. Well, he said, this is how you do it. The two main things we need to be heavily focused on at all times. Two things. His spirit and his will. This is how we focus on. This is, you want everything in your life to be blessed by God, to be touched by God? It needs to revolve around these two things. Because these two things are what govern the church. Yes, Jesus governs the church. Yes, the Father uses Jesus to govern through the church, through the Holy Spirit. But it's his will. This is what it's all about. It's his will and his spirit brings the activation to his will. These are the two things of how God manifests himself and makes himself manifest in believers today are these two things. And if we're not constantly looking to these two things, the Bible says what your eye is on your, is, is what is if your eye is on me or if your eye is on the light, your whole body will be full of, full of the light. When he was saying the light, he was talking he is the light. So he was saying, when you look at me, essentially, you will be filled. You will be filled with me. But when your eyes double mind, when your eyes focus on two things, you're going to be double minded. When your eyes focus on Jesus and focus on the other thing, you're going to be mixed. There's going to be mixture in there. But if we're constantly focused on these two things, this is how this is how we focus on Jesus. This is these two things: His will and His Spirit. Because He said, "I am the Word, and I am the Word made flesh." And people think when we focus on Jesus, we just got to keep looking at the cross that happened two thousand years ago. But they never jump on the cross. Oh, yeah, I'm focused on Jesus. Yeah, he said, oh, he saved me. He saved me. And then every time the devil comes, oh, he, he, he saved me on the cross, but he never saved them because his spirit never showed up. They never submitted to his will. And when you never submit to his will, his spirit doesn't show up anymore. So you actually never get saved. And you're proclaiming that you got saved because the, the pastor told you on Sunday service, you're saved because Jesus saved your life because he forgave your sins. So now you're saved. All this rhetoric, saved, you're saved. Just believe you're saved. We can't just believe we're saved anymore. We need, we need to be saved. Like I'm saying, we need to be changed. It can't be just a, a label anymore. I'm saved. As, in this modern Christianity world, it's become a label. Salvation, saved, whatever, all that rhetoric is all a label now. Slap the label on yourself. You're saved by Jesus and you're, that's it. And all these celebrities now, they're saved by Jesus. Jesus saved me, but then they're still doing the same thing. He didn't save you. You're not saved. If you haven't been delivered, obviously we're all still going through the process of time, but I'm talking about being delivered from doing what you, living for what you want to live for. We all have flaws. We all have things we struggle with. But I'm talking about it's deeper than just the things that we struggle with and, and whatever. It's about what are you living for now? Yes, I struggle with that. Yes, I struggle with that. I may not look totally free or whatever, but I've been delivered because I'm no longer living for myself and I'm living for Him. 
But people think that they're not living for themselves because all they do is say, I, well, I'm, I believe in Jesus and that's it. That's, all they, that's their testimony. I believe in Jesus and that's it. That's it? Okay? That's what, you go to Christians nowadays, that's all you get. I believe in Jesus and that's it. There's nothing else to it. There's no, oh yeah, God's, the Holy Spirit came down. You barely hear that. You hear that in the few because it's called the remnant, the 7,000 that are bowed their knee to bail, but the majority that is claiming Jesus, it's a label. God is removing the labels. He's exposing people that are putting labels on. They call it the Roaring Twenties. Well, you know what? The people that are calling it the Roaring Twenties, they better watch out too, and they better make sure they're not the same ones that are putting a label on themselves as Christian and saved, and they better make sure the label is actually on the right substance. I can't have the label peanut butter on jelly. That's what it's going. That's what's happening. It's the wrong labels on the wrong substance. We're putting... We're going out there and we're, we're bringing tracks to people and we're saying, here, Jesus saved you, just recite this prayer. And we do that to 500 people on the street in Tampa Bay or Sarasota. And we go home and we say, 500 people just got saved. Can you believe it? No, you just slapped the label of Christianity on 500 people but didn't save nobody. And you better make sure you're saved. Because if you're doing that, I don't know. Or you're just deceived. This is how we walk. And this is also God showed me how. How we walk in, in endurance and tunnel vision. When we constantly, no matter what the enemy throws in. See, see the enemy even. See, this, it's, it's the funny thing is too. We, we tend to focus on him. And focus on his will and what he has for us and all that. And we're, but then the enemy comes to distract us. What are the, what are the lures in your life? What are the things that he's getting, and this, that's what this message is all about. What are you looking for? Because we get focused on his spirit. We get focused on his will. But then the enemy comes and gets us to look at something else. The enemy comes to get us to want this, to want that, to want that. And then we look at Christ and we look at that thing. We look at that Christ and we look at that thing. And then we're in and out and, and we're double-minded and we can never be stable. Because we're constantly looking for something else. But Jesus says, You're right, I'm right in front of you. I'm in your life. Look to my spirit. Walk in the spirit. Well, but because we want God to do something bigger, and not that what he's doing already is already big, but we want it to be bigger because we have lust in our heart. We want this grand old thing. We want the red carpet laid out for us. We want friends that love us. We want people that won't condemn us. We want everybody to bow to us. We want everywhere we go, we want people to bend to our word. But God says, guess what? This is about denial and being hated, so you better get ready. This is not about you. And, if, and that's the thing is the devil makes it about you. He gets us to look here. He gets us to look there. But when the devil comes, that's our safe place. This is how we guard our mind is we look back at the will of God. We look back at what is your will, Lord? Holy Spirit, what are you doing? He's in my life to be the helper. He's showing me all truth. He's there to give me everything I need for the moment. So why are we not looking to him? Because we're looking for something else. This is how we, and I just said this, but I want to, Go on this more. This is how we hold endurance and tunnel vision. Because when we're constantly focused on His will and His Spirit, we're, constant, we're constantly going to be empowered by grace. 
We're constantly going to be empowered to do what we're supposed to do because it says when you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. When it said walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the deeds of the flesh, it didn't mean in your own strength you're not going to fulfill the deeds of the flesh. It says when you walk in my spirit, guess what? What he's saying is I'm going to deliver you from the flesh and the things that try to empower you because when you're focused on me, that's when the light comes in and separates you from the darkness. There's an empowerment when our focus is right, when we're looking in the right direction constantly. It's not a one-day thing when we, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm looking on Jesus, blah, blah. But then the next week, it's, a, it's a, till you die. We need to be constantly headstrong for his will and his spirit constantly. And we get, we get impatient with God too. And because something's not happening the way we want it to, we want his kingdom to come, but we want it to come our way. We want it to come, well, this is stinking. What are we going to? This is like the, the Israelites too. They go into the wilderness and they want all this stuff to happen. And he's like, bro, I got a plan. And, they, and he's and, and they're, why are we going to the wilderness? Why are we doing this? Can we get more manna? Can we get more quail? After you've just been raining quail and manna for two weeks, I want more. And God's like, what is your problem? I just separated the seas. I just, there's a pillar of fire right in front of you. There's a cloud by day and you want more. Why do we want more? You better want more of him because if you want more of something else, you're wrong. We always want, we want more of what God can give, but we don't want more of him. That's the point. That was the point of the wilderness. That was the point of going around the mountain because he was separating himself of people that will not just be there for his hand, but of people that will be there for his heart. He's tired of this crap. He's tired of looking at everybody looking. Provision, provision, give me more. Do this, do that, do that. Come on, God, give me more fire. What is going on? Look at me. You want more fire? He is the fire. The pillar of cloud was right there the fire and the pillar of cloud is right around us the holy spirit and we want the fire well i'm right here the fire is right in front of you jump in people are too busy waiting on god but you know what the funny thing is about waiting on god he's right there and you better not anybody listening to this message better stop with this why is he getting so mad because god is done god is done with the stuff God is done just like in the, in the wilderness, in the desert with the Israelites. He's done. He draws the line at a certain point. He says, if you will not submit, it's your ending. I may not I'm, I'm, he may not kill them just like, you better hope not. But he, he, he judges people and he puts them back into the world. It says that God himself with Ahab put a spirit because Ahab repented, but then he reversed his repentance by going back to his old self. And then it said God put a lying spirit in his mouth. We better hope we're not Ahab. Because God will put a lying spirit in our mouth and it will be judgment. And we're thinking it's the enemy, but it's God himself. He's turning you over. He's turning people over. That's it. We're getting to the, the coming of Jesus. He's turning people over. If they don't submit, if they don't wake up, he's turning them over. He's done. He's done. Romans 12, 2. And it, it hurts. It hurts to think about the souls.
It hurts to think about the souls that that won't be able to taste and see what we're going to be able to taste and see. They won't be able to feel it. They won't be able to... We better, we gotta, we gotta really, in the church today, we gotta really value what we have in front of us. We gotta value the word. We gotta value the Holy, just, we, we, we have a night with the Holy Spirit. And we take it for such granted. He didn't have to do it. He's barely moving anywhere and he comes in a, in a place with the Holy Spirit. And it's just another day to us. But we better get the fear of the Lord because he doesn't just pour out his spirit for fun. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Uh, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God. You see, we're, we're not just being transformed in our mind. We're not just being transformed just to be transformed so we can be like, look at us, we're so great. Look at us, we look like Jesus, right? It's for the will of God. It's not for your own will. It's not for your own glory. It's not so you can be like, yay. People are seeking Jesus because they want to look good. He's done with it. It's for the will of God. It's not for you. It's not for... People in religion are constantly looking. They're constantly looking for character. They're constantly looking for somebody that looks like love or whatever, and then when, they, when false love walks in the door, they embrace him. Oh my God, look at this guy. He's so great, but he's full of demons. And then the, the one that has the greatest character, the one that looks so good, the one that's so clean, gets lifted up, but really he's only just cleaned the cup on the outside, but his inside is so full of dirt. Because he's not living for the will of God. He's living for himself. And he polished himself so that you can glorify him. <sighs> they think they're walking in such love. And they think they're, they're, they're doing all, they're looking so great. They look like Jesus. But they look like the devil inside. And on the outside, it can, it can deceive you so bigly. It's so great. Even we can be deceived. Even the remnant can be deceived by these people. Because they're looking for you to glorify them. But this changing, this transforming, this character dip changing, it's not for you. It's not so you can have a better life. It's for the will of God. And when we're for the will of God, He gives us a better life. But when we're at the better life more than the one that makes it better, that's the problem. We seek joy. We seek peace. We seek all these things more than God. But he says, you will have all those things, but I'm the one that I want you to want. But if you don't want me, 
That's the point. The point is this. I want you, but if you don't want me, then sayonara. Because it's not about anything else but that. It's you and me and me and you and the spirit of Elijah is here today and tonight and in this generation to bring the sons to the fathers and the fathers to the sons. It didn't say bring the sons to a joyous place, to a happy place, to to feel good, to look like a, a stud, to look like a million bucks, to look like Jesus, but not fear him. Everybody wants to look like Jesus, but they don't want Jesus. Everybody wants to do the same things as Jesus, act the same way as Jesus, do all the same things, but they don't want him. They want his actions. They want his character. They want his works. They want his miracles. They want all of it, but they don't want him. And they take all the same scripture, but it's all in vain, all in vain. What are you looking for? Because if you're not looking for him, none of that stuff is for you. You'll never be in joy. Your peace will never be sustained. You better stop looking at people around you. You better stop looking for your family. You better stop looking for your friends. You better stop looking for even your own wife and kids. Because if you look to them more than God, I'm telling you, it will consume you. I'm telling you, and then you're playing church. I hope I'm not playing church myself. We need the fear of the Lord in these days. <clears throat> John 7:17. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether this the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. When you do, when your will, what did it just say? When your will is to do God's will, this is Jesus speaking. This isn't John speaking. This is John interpreting what Jesus said. He said, when your will is to do my will, you will know that my teaching, that what I speak, and when I speak, if it's from me, if it is good and acceptable, oh, sorry, that's the wrong one. Whether I am speaking from my own authority. So he's telling you, Right there, you will, you, will have, you, will have, you will know what's from me and what's not from me. But when you don't know, when you're not after God's will, you, you won't know the voice of the Lord. I know the Bible says that my sheep will hear my voice. But what if the sheep hears a voice in the mountains and the shepherd is guiding the sheep that way and it goes that way? Yes, Jesus may go after the sheep, but it never said it brought him back. Because the sheep has to be willing. In, in the kingdom. See, in, <clears throat> yes, I know that the shepherd breaks the legs and God does those things too, but at the end of the day, God's not breaking the legs and doing all these things and trying to, and, and trying to gr grill the sheep in just to grill the sheep in. He's trying to do all that so that he can finally find that will inside of that person that wants him. He's not doing that because he's like, I'm going to force you in the kingdom of God. That's what people think. Well, I'm saved, always saved. So it doesn't matter what I want to do. God will always pull me in. You better check your doctrine. Because he only pulls you in because he's hoping that when he pulls you in and he comes back to you to, to get you to return, that he will find your, the, the, a godly desire in you. That he will find himself in you. But when he pulls you back and he doesn't find himself, he lets it go.
He's not forcing anybody. He's looking for a willing vessel. A willing vessel. Constantly willing. And when you're willing to do His will, you will always know His will. People don't know His will because they have... His, they, they want his will, but they also want their will. And then people get really confused because then they try to tie the, two, the tie, tie the two together. And then they start thinking their will is God's will. Then they start, then they're, when you tie those two things together, you're doing a dangerous thing because then your feelings get distorted. Then your thoughts get distorted. And you don't think, I mean, when the enemy comes at you, when you're obeying God, you don't think he's going to come at you even more to take you out finally? It said that, I spoke last, whenever it was, that when Jesus, after Jesus was tempted, he waited for the most opportune time, and that was Jesus. You better bank all your money. Jesus was going to be focusing on God and his will until the end. But what about us that struggle with that? And even in the garden, he, he thought he had Jesus. And even Jesus said, Father, if this be, but what did he do? He said, Father, if this be your will, even though it was hard, he said, this is hard, Lord, but if this is your will, I'll do it. That's what he's looking for. But what about us in the church today that we're so far from that? And we're still struggling with our own will. The enemy is going to pound and pound. You better believe he's going to try his best. The devil had to go away from Jesus because he was just trying to wait for that one time so he can go bang. So he can find, get him right. You know how you wait for your enemy to come? You're not just going to, when, when you're boxing, you're not just going to go swinging. You wait for that one moment when the gloves separate his hands and bang, you, sh you shoot your hand in there. And that's what the enemy's looking to do. He's looking for you to separate your gloves. He's looking for you to separate your eyes from looking at God and his will. What else is out there for me? You start looking for something else and boom, he gets you. And then you get offended and you get all this stuff and then all this stuff. And then you start rebelling against the remnant. And you start rebelling against the church. You start rebelling against the word of God. You start rebelling against the Holy Spirit even. You start grieving him. And then you get separated. That's how it all, it, it, it's a, it doesn't just happen overnight. But this is how he draws, he does it. James 4, 13 through 15. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make it a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist, a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, listen to this part. If the Lord wills, we will live here and do this or do that. See, the problem is when we start deciding on our own. Because you know why we start deciding on our own? It's because we're looking for something else. When we're constantly looking for, looking for, looking for God and constantly after, the, it says that the kingdom of God is like that one, uh, what is it called? Like a, like a precious penny or something? I don't know what it is. I forget. 
and you constantly are looking for it, constantly trying to find it. What's the, think of the one thing in your life that if you lost it, you'd go crazy looking for. for hey, it'd be my, what I, for me, it'd be my kid. If I, if, I, if I couldn't find my kid, I'd go absolutely, I've already, it's already happened. I ended up seeing the kid in the neighbor's yard messing with the hose, and I went absolutely insane. But we need to be absolutely insane like that for the kingdom of God. And, but, when, but the funny thing is, the people that are, that, that are they may not be out on the outward like, I want the kingdom of God, and it may not be like that and doing all that in the flesh. But because in their heart they're like that, they're constantly looking for God's will, constantly 24-7, they don't need to do all that, that, that grudging because they get filled. It says that those who seek me will find me. And, and, and what's that other verse? About being, there's another verse about when you look for the kingdom of God or something like that, you will be filled. Those who seek the living water will be filled. And those people that constantly are, are gunning for it, gunning for it, they're constantly filled. They live like that poor in spirit, but they're really rich at the same time. See, if you want to be rich in the spirit, you got to be constantly poor. You don't just, you're not just poor in spirit and then waiting for God. To fill me, no, you're not poor in spirit. You're waiting for something else. You're waiting for a person. You're waiting for a light to come down from heaven. You're waiting for somebody to give you, hand you money. You're, you have an entitlement spirit. You're waiting for this to happen, that to happen. Somebody to give you a house. Somebody to give you a car. Somebody to, to baby you up. Somebody to pat you on the back. You're waiting for something else. You're not waiting on God. The children of God don't wait on God because they constantly dwell with God. It says walk in the Spirit. So how can I walk in the Spirit without the Holy Spirit? So if I'm walking in the Spirit, ain't I with Him? But if I'm not walking in the Spirit, I'm not going to be with Him. I'm going to be in the flesh. And yeah, that explains why I'm not with Him, because I'm not walking with Him and after Him. I actually have a verse that, to go with that. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. The flesh, anything around you. It could be your brothers and sisters in church. It could be your brothers and sisters in the real world. It can be your job. It can be anything, anything at all. It can even be kingdom things. The Bible says to covet the gifts, but it didn't say to make the, the gifts an idol. It didn't say, and that's what happens in the churches. We make gifts idols. And like we said before, because we want to make ourselves an idol in our life. We can't even use kingdom things, the things that God gives, things that God does, and covet them more than God. We need to covet them for sure because the Bible says to do so, but not more than God. And that's where we get out of hand. And then we crave the anointing more than Jesus. But I tell you what, Jesus is the anointing. You start craving the anointing more than him, you ain't going to get it again because he, that's him. What are we looking for? If you're not getting, finding him, that's because you're not looking for him. If the fish is not coming down from heaven, if the man is not coming down from heaven, if the oil is not filling you, guess what? It's a sign you're not looking. Guess what? It's a sign you're looking somewhere else. Guess what? It's a sign you may be looking with one eye at him, but you're looking over here at something else. And then we, we complain that God doesn't show up or God doesn't do this, but he's saying, you're sinning. You're sinning because you're, you are filled with idolatry of yourself, of your family, 
of something that you want to happen, something that you want somebody to do, it's all idolatry. Because it's all about pleasing ourselves. People that, that are out to please God get pleased by God. When we look to please ourselves, even with the kingdom, I'm not saying that God won't please. I'm saying that when we try to use things in the kingdom to try to make ourselves feel better, we prophesy. If I preach up here because I want you to tell me how great I am or how, how great the message is or whatever, I am still, I'm, I'm, I'm in the wrong. I'm looking for, I'm not looking for God. I'm just as bad as everybody that we're talking about. What am I looking for if I'm looking for you to say, hello, that's, that was great. What am I looking for if I'm looking for people to sign a book? What am I looking for if I want to be on national television and I crave that more than God? It's a great thing if God has that for you in the future and he showed you that. But even if God shows you things, see, the, here's another problem. Is God shows us things that he has for us. And we pursue that. We start to idolize our own prophecy even. This goes deep. If we idolize something that God showed us that he has for us, that's why God doesn't even show some people what the blessing he's going to give them because he doesn't, he, and he always comes unexpected with blessings because if he showed us all the time what we were going to get blessed with, we'd be like thinking about that all the time. Oh, I can't wait till that day. Like, oh, God's going to give me a Camaro. Ooh, God's going to, he's giving me a bigger house. Thank God. And then all you, that's all you're thinking about. You, you, then your joy is dictated by that. Then when it looks like the prophecy is wavering, you start to waver. Habakkuk 2.3, it's funny that I didn't even know why I put the scripture in there, but we're talking about it, so there you go. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come and it will not tarry. How do we wait? We don't just wait and say, oh, yeah, yeah coming because guess what the enemy is going to take you out because then he's like oh idolatry i got you oh you oh he's not focused on because jesus when when we focus on when we're constantly focused on jesus the he's our source and it, he's constantly filling us that's the whole point of focusing on jesus we're not focusing on jesus just so we can get a mark in heaven and say good job you focused on me till the end no we're focusing on jesus so we can constantly be filled and know what his plan is all the time. But when we're not looking at that, that's when the oil runs out. That's when the fire runs out. And then here you are, no fire, no oil, no nothing, feeling dead, like dead dry bones, crying out, crying out. And he says, you know what, this time, I'm not, I'm not hearing your cries. You know why? Because your cries are in vain. Because you just enjoyed what I filled you with, but you didn't enjoy me. You enjoyed what I gave you as provision, but you didn't enjoy me. So you know what? Some people in 2020 or 20-whatever on, I don't know how long until God is, Jesus tarries, whatever, some people are getting thrown back in the wilderness. Some people are just touching the promised land and they're getting thrown back in the wilderness because the promised land has become the idol. See, we need to live like we're, we need to live in the wilderness like we're living in the promised land. Because guess what? The Israelites had the promised land the whole, the whole time. 
The promised land wasn't the waterfalls and the manna and the taking over the cities. That was just a byproduct. The promised land was that pillar of fire that was sitting right there. The promised land was that cloud by day that was sitting right there in front of their eyes. Like, come on, if, if you saw a, a pillar of fire out there and you knew it was, you'd go nuts. You'd go absolutely insane. But they, even they, got used to it. If they can get used to the pillar of fire, that's, we never, have any, has anybody ever seen a pillar of fire in this room? Has anybody ever seen a whole sea get parted? Has anybody ever seen somebody hit a rock and water just pours out like nuts out in the desert? Has anybody ever seen manna fall from heaven? Has anybody ever seen quail? Has anybody ever seen somebody just take over a city and walk in and have somebody from the city break them in? Has anybody ever seen somebody walk around a wall seven times and then then they take over the city? Has anybody ever seen God's glory show up in the wilderness out of nowhere physically and fire come from heaven on an altar? Well, guess what? They saw it and they still, they still got comfortable. They saw it and they still became complacent. You know, we don't even see things similar to that. We see, have different things happening in the spirit. We see awesome things. But imagine if we saw that and still got complacent. That shows you right there there's one problem. You're looking to all those things more than you're looking to him. Because guess what? When you look to those things, those things are just those things. And they, they fade away. They stop. And you cannot... That God would have, to please those people, God would have had a part all the seas in the world, rain manna from heaven nonstop, rain quail from heaven from not, for nonstop, fill the altar with glory nonstop, fire from heaven nonstop, and they still wouldn't have been pleased. And think that could be you. You could see all that and still not be pleased. And that's why we have to turn our eye to the one that's invisible. That's where the joy comes. That's where the peace comes. That's where the fulfillment comes. You could, what if, okay, we're, we want revival so much, but what if we weren't the generation that is called to revival? What if we weren't? Would you be pleased with that? Jeremiah and all those prophets, they, made a, they probably thought, oh man, God's going to use me. He's going to have me speak and all these things. Things are going to happen. And for most of them, nothing happened. They were just a prophet in the wilderness and spoke and spoke and spoke and had people backlash them, hate them, and that's what they were called to. Would you be pleased if God just said, you know what, I'm calling you to the hard ground, I'm calling you to preach to all these people, and they're never going to bend, but are you willing to do it for me? Are you willing to do it even if you end up being Abraham, never seeing the promise, but being promised? That's deep stuff. Everybody talks, well, Abraham never saw the promise, and he was promised, Moses. This one, that one. Moses never went into the thing, into the promised land. But he said he would guide them, but never got to experience it. What if that was you? But guess what? Those men, Abraham, Moses, and all of them, they were pleased with God and God alone. They didn't need all the stuff. They didn't need all the effects and, and boom, fire from heaven. He did that for them to confirm his kid. He did that for his own glory. And if God's going to get glory out of you by making nothing happen then let it be. I'm not saying that there's not going to be a revival. I'm not saying that this generation is not called to that. I'm not saying that we're not going to see signs and wonders, but I'm saying don't look to those things because if you look to those things, you're never going to find him. 
And you're always going to be wowed by him, but you're never going to be submitted to him. You're never going to turn over. You're never going to say, you know what? This is amazing. I need God. No, it's the ones, the ones that end up turning over fully are the ones that were looking for him in the first place and didn't need all that. They just wanted to know deep here, down inside. Blessed are those that believe and cannot see. Those are going to be the people on the last day, on judgment day, that are really going to be justified. The ones that believed and, lo and loved and continued to walk in the truth and the will of God without seeing nothing. Even if they were in a destitute, I bet you 10 million dollars if we when we go to judgment day there's going to be people there that had the worst life had the most terrible life and didn't see nothing fire from heaven but they're going to be exalted in heaven and god's going to say well done good and faithful servant didn't see a sign and a wonder let's go to this real quick matthew 16 and we're going to close or we're going to get to the closing <laughs> the pharisees also with the sadducees come tempting The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious people, and think about the religious people this day when you think about this. Come and, tempt, and tempting desired him that he would sue them a sign from heaven. They wanted to see Jesus just do something. If you're the Messiah, show us something. Make a rocket fall from heaven. I don't care what you do. Do something. Show us that you're the Messiah. Bring fire down from heaven. He could have done all that. Think about it. He could have done all that. He could have, he could have made every single Pharisee and Sadducee right there become another Paul or Silas or, or Peter or whatever. One of them. He could have turned any of them if he wanted to. He answered and said unto them, When is it evening, you say? It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather to the day, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can not, ye not discern the signs of the times. See, they can discern everything in the flesh because they're looking in the flesh. They're looking for him to have some suit on that says Messiah. They're looking for him to have all these things that they think are supposed to bring in the Messiah to happen. They're looking. He's, he's, he's saying, you see the sky is red. You see this is that. You see dawn is, and dusk and you see morning and night, but you can't even see me. That's because you can only see in the flesh. You can never discern in the spirit because you're full of yourself. A wicked and adulterous generation, he calls them, seeketh after a sign and they shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed them. Nothing but the sign of repentance. Nothing but the sign of being delivered from the whale. Nothing but the sign of him. He's the sign. Jesus, I know we talk about it all the time and we hear it in songs. Jesus is the sign. Jesus is the wonder. But he is. And we, and we always talk about it, but we look for something else still. Because we're being foolish virgins. Because we're not buying oil on the inside. We're trying to buy oil on the outside and make something in the flesh happen. We're looking to people, we're looking to ministries, we're looking to this, we're looking to that, we're looking to our family. And nothing is going to happen. And God, you know what? The ones that God is, is, is purifying to himself, he's going to make nothing happen. Especially when you look to somewhere else, because he will not have you fully until, because what did it say back in Leviticus? It said, come nigh unto me and I will, and those who come out nigh unto me, I will sanctify myself in them. But so he will not have you fully until he gets you focused off here, 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 everywhere around you, and you will be dry, dry, dry. Oh, there's the water. Dry, dry, dry. Oh, there's the water. Oh, dry. 
and he's killing these things and he's constantly trying to dry it up. Make you look to your family, guess what? He'll start letting your family turn against you even more. But it's grace, it's mercy. Because if they, they came to you and they gave you everything you want, you would turn away from him. If you turn to some God's, you know what? God's stopping money in people's lives because they're looking to that more. And God is making sure that the money is stopped himself. It's not even the enemy. God is stopping the money for some people because if the money grows, they're out. They're going, I don't know, judgment day, but they ain't going to taste and see him now. They're looking, to, they're looking for fulfillment in people. Guess what? If you look for fulfillment in somebody else to, to fulfill you, even your husband or wife. Yes, you, I know your husband and wife are called to fulfill you in some ways, but when, they're called, when you look to them for, to fulfill you in the way God wants to or more than God, or that's your central focus, God will make sure that doesn't happen. He will make sure that person you keep looking at, because this is love. This is love. That he would make sure that you would, your devices would never fulfill you so that he can finally fulfill you. The one device, the one thing, the one person, the one living God, the creator of the universe can finally fulfill you because he created you. And when he created you, he created you to be created, to be fulfilled by him. Not by something else. You were created and you were made to be pleased, to be, to be touched by God, to be fulfilled. He can only, he created you so he could be he can touch you in a way that nothing else in this world can touch you. And he's created all this that you see all around you so that you can decide to pick him. Made all these things, even made the devil. He, t come on. He knew he was going to be Lucifer before he created him. He knew what was going on, but he had a plan. Yes, he said his son, but his plan was, even, it was so that his son can bring them back to him. And he's using light and darkness to conform you to him. Because he doesn't want robots. He doesn't want people that are just, yes, God, we'll do what you say. What the, what's the, where, where's the pleasure in that? Where's the relationship in that? God and robots. Yeah, you think, come on. So this is all a design to get us to look for him and to dwell with him. Just like Shane said, this, this message was almost called, What's the Point? Volume 2. Or I was actually going to call it, Missing the Point. Because we miss the point, because the whole reason why we're here is so that we can live with Him, through Him, and forever. Marriage. He create, all these things He's creating, even marriage, is a design to show you how He wants to be with you. All these things are designed to push you closer, and all these temptations are, are pushing you closer, even the, the voice of the enemy, it's crazy to think, but it's even pushing you closer to him if you, if, if you give in to him. Obviously, some people give in to him and make them their God, the one that was never supposed to be, but even those are conforming us. You know how, you know, I, I've said this before back in the past, but just so everybody else that wasn't here for that, you know how oil is made? It's very interesting. In the ground, there's fire in the middle. There's, the core is a, is, is, a, is, a, is a ball of fire in the earth. This is the best way I can explain it. I'm not going to give you some scientific terms because I'm just preaching. I'm not, I don't know science. I'm just doing what I looked up and talk to Steve or whatever. But there's fire in the middle of the earth 
and basically everything composes through the earth and dirt and mixture or whatever goes through the ground, the fire actually conforms it and, and bends it and whatever it does and makes it into to oil. And then new, it's, and people think we're ever going to run out of oil, but we'll never run out of oil because the, it's always going to keep doing that and more oil is always going to come. And that's how the oil comes in our life is the fire inside of us when we constantly let it burn and burn and burn and burn, oil just seeps out of us. But when we don't give in, that's where the problem is. Is we're cutting off that line between the core, the fire, and, and, the, and, the, and the garbage. The fire is purifying and separating the gold from the dross. That's biblical. That's in the Bible, and that's how it all works. Dross and, and gold are separated so that it can make a jewel or whatever, gold, earrings, blah, 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 blah. When they're found in the ground, all the dirt, everything connected to it, it's separated in the fire. And that's just like your flesh and your spirit. But when we don't give in to this, that's where we die. For the wrong reasons. And when we don't give in to this, it shows we're looking for something else. So Father, don't let us be this wicked and adulterous generation that you spoke of, Father. Don't let us be like the Pharisees and Sadducees. Don't let us be looking for a sign. Don't let us be looking for something to happen. Don't let us be looking for someone to fulfill us next to us. Don't let us, don't let us be looking for some, something other than you. We're no longer going to look for a sign. You're the sign. You're the wonder. We want to have our eyes on you, Father. We have, we have the formula from heaven. Not a formula of, of religion, but the formula from heaven that is your spirit and your will. And we will focus on those things until that you come. And though you may tarry coming to us, you may tarry in filling this place, you may tarry with the vision, you will come because we will keep our eyes on you. And when, you keep our, when we keep our eyes on you, you will keep our eyes on us. So everybody stand up in this room. And John, just play the Give Me Oil song. It's, on, it's, it's up there. So Father, just fill this room right now, Father. One thing is needed, oh God. Fill us, Father. Here we are. We stand before you. Cut out all the idols, Father. Cut out all the things that we're looking at. Get our eyes off our brother and sister. Get our eyes off of the things that the kingdom can give to you, but not the king of the kingdom. Help us get our eyes on the king. Because if we don't get our eyes on the king, we'll never see him. Blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart are the ones that look upon you. Because their whole body will be filled with light, Father. If you want prayer, just come up.